Hey, welcome. <laughs> a woman's journey is one where she blooms where she is planted, okay? Do you know what it takes to grow a blue rose from concrete? Yeah, that's the name of this podcast, Blue Rose Concrete. In this podcast, you will learn the process it takes for Eunice. Blue Rose, that's what I consider myself, um, to grow out of concrete. Come sharing the tears, laughter, and new discoveries with me. Tune in every Sunday at 5 p.m. And let's break through these concrete slabs together. I do have a question in regards to that, though. Like, it says in the Bible that you can leave someone um, for... Is it adultery? Is adultery. Which means cheating on you, right? Some people will, like, get cheated on, go through mise. I understand that some relationships go through that. But then they'll say that God is against it. I don't know. I don't don't understand. I never understood that part. I still don't. I still don't. God hates divorce. Granted, it's in the Bible. Back on white. God hates divorce. And I think that if you try to make it work. But there is nowhere where in the Bible it says, like, you have to stay miserable. Actually, in the Bible, it speaks about not being miserable. And being miserable is a sin because you are not created to be miserable. God tells you to hang in there. That's a different story. Yeah. But if God don't tell you, and, I, and I'm going to be honest to you, <laughs> I'm going to be honest, because the Bible says, if your earthly mother knows when you're hungry because her breast likes to leak milk, how much more do you think God knows your needs, wants, and cares for you? God is that supreme being. In his image, he's your father. Your heavenly father. Do you think that he would want to see you miserable? Let's be for real. I would never want to see Kendra, like none of my kids miserable. So I think God who loves the spies, God knows me. He knows you. Fully known and loved. By you. You mean to tell me my dad wouldn't want to see me in an abusive relationship and an unhappy, my earthly father. You mean to tell me God wants to see me in one? Your actual father, your real father. <laughs> Let's get that straight. Yeah, that's my God's problem. your actual father. You think he would want to see me suffering, crying, depressed, trying to commit suicide because I feel as if that was the only exit out of that marriage? Because church people try to make me think that death do us part? You think God would want to see that? Like, no, I don't think so. That came with a lot of research in the Bible. Like I literally remember sitting there with tears in my eyes, Googling, going through the back of my study Bible, searching for every verse in the Bible that has to do with marriage, Michelle. I have it written down in my Bible till today. Because I knew that when I made that decision to leave, people were going to hit me with that. So I had to answer a biblical verse for every question. Like I was there, Ecclesiastics and all of that, Psalms, Proverbs, Matthew, Jesus Christ talking, all of that. Like I have them and I read them and I understood them and I prayed. I'm like, God, please, if you know that he will never change, make it so that he leaves me alone. Let me walk out of this marriage. He leaves me alone and we part our ways in peace. Like I didn't want the fight the war and all of that. And thank God I didn't get to experience it really. I didn't have to fight. I didn't have to. And 
when he left, well, I left my marriage. I don't want to lie and say that he left me. No, my ex-husband did not leave me. I left him for my sanity and for my children's sanity as well. Because being in an abusive relationship does not help the kids. They see it. They know it. They understand it. And when they grow older, they're going to enter that's a word I struggle with. Interpret it wrong or differently. And you don't want history to repeat itself. That's one thing I would never want for my children. And I pray for my, you know, I've been praying for Edwin's wife since he was a baby. So I pray for my children's spouses now. And I always pray that they have God-fearing spouses. I don't care for money. For, I want them to have God-fearing spouses. Because I know if they fear God and they love God, they'll be able to love my child mm -hmm. in a godly manner. So when all of that happens, and vice versa for him, of course, him. yes. And I pray for them too, you know, and I pray for my grandkids, all of that. I pray for them. Mm -hmm. I keep praying. I've been praying for them for 12 years now. Mm -hmm. Eddie Swell, I've been praying for them for 12 years. And I don't know if I will or might. I don't know what the future holds. I might end up having, because I'm not in a relationship right now. And I know that I will be in a relationship and I will be married again. So if this person wants a child, I will give them a child. I will carry their child. And I pray for that child. I don't know, but I'm like, God, if in the pray future the I'm going to have mm -hmm. a child, I'm praying for that child now and their spouse and their children. Mm -hmm. People might think it's crazy. I agree it's with, those, with that because I do that as well, honestly. I don't know where that's coming from, but I do. I pray with faith and I pray for them because coming from where I come from with my history, mm -hmm. I feel as though my offspring will be needing a whole lot of prayer. <laughs> Mine too. So, yes, I do do that as well. And it's not crazy. You know, so a lot of people would say that it is. In conclusion, I really do think that I'm very grateful for where I am for right now. I've healed a lot of things. Do you know that I can talk about my abuse without crying? That's when you know you heal. Like, I can literally talk about it the things that happen. I remember hating my mother, even in her death. Like, I hated her. I never said it, but I hated her. Mm -hmm. Like, ugh, I hated her. And even though I hated her. I was there for her on her deathbed. Yeah. And I was there for her during her sickness. But I hated her. But you were I was there. I signed every paper. I went to every appointment. Every time I got the call, I didn't have the money. I would borrow it to go. One, I didn't. But I hated her. I really did. And now I don't hate her. Like, I actually now as a mother, understanding some of the things she went through and seeing what I'm going through now, I can understand. Like, I get it. I get it now. Like as a single mom, and I think it takes for you to be in someone's position to understand their struggle. It took me being a single mom for me to forgive my mom, to see my children and know the love that I have for them, despise everything that I'm going through, and to remember. Like I remember sitting down and saying, "Damn, how my mom did it? She made it look so easy." Do you think the kids think the same thing? They do. Mm -hmm. Hey, Abigail wants to be a mother. <laughs> and I'm like, why would you want to be a mother? Like, that's like a struggle, girl. Like, you understand? But she wants to be a mother and she doesn't talk about her husband. That's what kind of scares me in a way. But she talks about being a mother, but never talks about being a wife. That's what she sees. But you know, that, that agenda, that 
viewpoint that she has, that dream that she has, it will be changed. I pray it does, because Jesus Christ. I pray, because I don't want no just mother. Lord, you know, she could be a mother to a church. She could be the first lady, the church mother. But I don't know about being just a mother. And speaking back to what you said about being able to talk about abuse without actually crying, once you get to that point, that's when you know that you've actually taken your power back. Because I was watching an episode of a celebrity talking about, well, attempting to talk about their abuse, and she couldn't. She couldn't. So once you're able to talk about it without crying, because it's you can talk about it. You get to the stage where you confront it, mm-hmm. and then you get to the stage where you tell people about it. When you're able to talk about it, and you're crying. True. But then once you get to the stage where you're able to talk about it without crying, mm-hmm. and I'm not crying. You take I just your- have my sinuses. <laughs> I'm not crying. Because like, I just stuck something in. I just felt like, no, nah, I'm not crying. Yeah, you've taken your power back at that point. That your power is in your hands. It affects me. And this is the reality of it. I've dealt with it. I've healed from it. I've had counseling early stages. But even if you've dealt with it, it still affects me. I'm going to tell you how it affects me. As a divorced woman who has four daughters, Mm. like my mom did, and knowing that my mom's boyfriend molested me Mm. and my mom's husband molested my siblings and I'm not here to tell anybody else's story. I'm not saying which one of them. That's not what I'm here to talk about. I'm talking about me. Or which one, I don't know. Yeah, so I'm talking about Eunice here. Let's focus to me. Because <laughs> it's one thing to tell your story, but you have no right to tell somebody else's story. So my story, being molested by my mother's boyfriend and then running to her, that was the first time anyone touched me inappropriately in my life. Mind you, my dad was like a stay-at-home dad at the beginning of my stay in the U.S. because that's who was home cooking. My mom worked two, three cases. Like she worked a job and then she worked other cases, whatever, with agencies to be able to support her family because my father was focusing on opening up a business or whatever. So, um, And so my father used to shower me. He would make me do my toilet and verbally tell me how to do it, but never touch me in any way, shape or form inappropriately. care <laughs> but i did i realized i said something that that was not a word yeah, that was inappropriate <laughs> Ooh, that's the human in me i don't give a damn <laughs> well no i do give a damn i'm human whatever but yeah so he never touched me in any way like so sitting on this man's lap in haiti and this is something that happens so often in haiti sitting on his lap and he touched, because, you know, I've been heavy set my whole life. And granted, I developed more so than other kids because I had a butt at a young age. I had a little chest thing action going on. So he touched my breast. And, you know, I don't have no nipples. And I felt like my nipple came out and I felt goosebumps. Like I felt something different. This is not so. And I ran. I said, Mama, and she was like, Mat, si ton me. Like right then and there, like just dismissed it. Uma titune aljoni devo bablife, and he. T- you're a lie. Yeah, she said like you're a lie. Go back to him. You just don't want to do your homework. And he sat me back on his lap, and his hands went right in there, and I cried, 
And then it came from touching my breast into touching my private part. And then she sent me to spend a whole summer at this man's house. And every freaking night, this man would come and touch me. Like I had to deal with that every, and no one, like I couldn't say it to any, because my own mother, like at that point, and then that caused his friend to molest me sexually. So he started and his friend, I guess he told his friend, the friend was like pressuring me into doing it too. I just became their little toy. And I remember always thinking like, if my father was here, they would never do that to me. So that made you hate her. That made me hate her. And right now I'm getting teary eyed because I'm thinking about how much I hated her. Not about the abuse, because again, I've dealt with that. But when I think about my mom and what she could have done differently, and I'm thinking about me as a mom, my daughter comes and tells me something like that. The police will be at my house that night because my life is the thing that makes you hot. I'm cutting it off. I don't care. Like, I will go to jail because you're not going to traumatize my child in any way, shape or form. So then I couldn't understand how it was okay for my mom at that time to tell me I was lying. Like, I've never lied to you before. So why would now you think that I'm lying? And I remember I got so tired of it and I just needed somebody to know. And I remember calling my sister and at that time, and I really don't know how me and my sister got to the point that we are now, which is something that, you know, I often say that really hurts me, me and my sister's relationship. And I think it's because we allowed friends to get too deep in that it's at the point of like, we can't really heal it anymore. It's like, okay, it's been like this for so long. It's normal for us. And there's always a way back. On to what we're talking about. So I told her and I don't know who exactly she said it to. If she said it to my grandma or my mom. When I found out she said it, I was so embarrassed and humiliated. I hated her now. But you know, the only reason you felt like that is because of your mother's initial reaction. You were basically taught that it's not something to speak about in a way. Yeah. So that's the only reason why it embarrassed you. And then. Blue Rose Concrete is dedicated to encouraging and inspiring women, especially those who have experienced trauma. I want them to know that life does not stop at trauma. The host is myself, Eunice Pierre, and I have guests co-hosts from different walks of life. Each episode, I introduce a subject for the week. I break the subject down into three sections, and in between the sections, I take a break. I will share past experiences that have molded me into the person that I am today, rather positive or negative. You know, (laughs) you can find it on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. It should embarrass the man, actually, not you. And I felt like I did something wrong. I literally went through years thinking it was my fault. What could I have done differently? But then it took me being this old to tell myself that you did what you were supposed to do. You told your mom who was supposed to be your protector. Mm-hmm. And she literally just handed you over to your abuser. So it's like, what else could I have done? So um, again, sinuses. Um, so I think about Tudbagaisao. It's hard for me to be in a relationship with a man right now. Because at the slightest 
sign or thought or idea of you being capable to see my kids in another aspect. I think I remember talking to a guy that just told me Kendra would be a beautiful girl when she grew up. I stopped talking to him. Oh, you don't need to see how she's going to be when she grow up. That, that's not your business. She's beautiful now. Listen. Okay, thank you. Like, oh, thank oh, her you. lips, her lips. She's a kid. What you mean, her lips? Her lips. Child. Like, I literally told myself, let me tell you something. I will kill for my daughters. Oh, what do you take me for? No, 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 Cherie. Cherie, let's my stop sister. there. Don't talk about me. <laughs> but I also remember when my sister told my mom, and I can honestly say, when my sister went and told her, and I guess she believed it at that point, I don't know. I remember there was a meeting on the balcony. My mom was sitting there, her godson, and a few other people, my cousin that was a little cuckoo crazy, gun happy. <laughs> I mean, like I remember all of these people sitting there, and I remember her crying. I remember her hugging me and saying, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just rolled my eyes because, like, for me, it's like. It was too late. Yeah, it's like. It was. You should have listened to me the first When time. I said it to you. And Why is there any doubt? Exactly. I'm your child. And I'm going to come to that like right after I say this. I'm going to tell you something I experienced this year. So after she brought me out, she said, I'm sorry. She hugged me. I'm sorry. I didn't believe you. I'm sorry. No, no. This will never happen again to you as long as I'm alive. Blah, blah, blah. Sent me away to my grandmother's house on my dad's side for like a while. And when I finally was allowed to come back home, he disappeared until I'm done. Never seen that man, heard his name. I probably heard his name. What about his friend? I never seen him either. Like, I didn't see him. They know about both? Yeah. And I didn't see him either. I didn't know. I don't. I never, never seen him after that. Never. They never came to my house. Like, that was literally, that's it. And I remember that the next time I heard his name was when my sister was like, oh, we were in an argument and she was like, you deserved it. And I remember how that felt. To hear something like that from your sister. Yeah. And hearing her say that, I was like, whoa. Whoo. Wait, that hurt. I don't hold no grudges towards her for that. Lord knows what she was going through herself. That didn't make it okay, but. And fast forward to 2020. Hurt people, hurt people. True. Fast forward to 2020 when I had this conversation with my children. I don't know what triggered it, but I called. You had a call. conversation? I did. You know I have conversations with them Ooh. all the time. Don't act like that. You know we have a conversation. I know. That kind of conversation. We did. And I was telling them, like, I don't know what triggered it. And I just called. And, you know, it was another bathroom conversation. Because somebody came in the bathroom to tell me a story. So then I called everybody in the bathroom. And I'm like, so, such and such. When you went to this, exactly. When you went to this place, did anybody do anything to you? Did anything happen? Like me asking these questions. No. So why do you feel this way about this place? Or about this person or whatever? Because blah, blah, blah. I'm like, are you sure? I'm like, because you know, nobody can do anything to you. If someone tries to do something to you and tells you they can hurt you, tell them, no, your mom will kill them first. Okay? And I'm like, remember, I am your defender. There is nothing that you can't tell me. And I will believe anything you tell me. So make sure you tell me the truth because I will defend you until I'm buried. I will fight for you. I will kill for you. 
I will do whatever it takes to make sure you're secure. Like, I believe you. I trust you. And I will protect you with all of me. And I remember Kendra crying and running to me and giving me a big hug. And she said, thank you, mommy, for saying that. And at that moment, I felt like the nine-year-old me who told my mama, man, touch my breath. Having my nine-year-old daughter cry. cry. Yes, I did. You know I'm a cry, baby. I cry. Having my nine-year-old daughter tell me, mommy, Nine-year-old, very, very smart and advanced. <laughs> like, daughter. <laughs> she is smart. <laughs> Her text messages kill me. It's the text messages for me. Very detailed yeah. and, like, punctuated. Sometimes I look at them, I don't even answer her. Remember what surprised me? And I was like, what? I don't remember if it's a word I said or if it's a word that she read. The girl said she's going to Google it. She Googles everything. (laughs) I told you what happened to me. Listen, guys, I had to throw in my toy (laughs) and my lubricant because my daughter found it. I went to school and the flesh is weak, y'all. I ain't had no man. Still don't have a man. So I felt like satisfying me. And I forgot the little thing on the bathroom counter because I had to I had to wash it or whatever. You know, you gotta cleanse it. So I left it on the that's my ghetto me. I left it on the bathroom <laughs> on the thing. And with me cooking, dealing with Hannah and doing everything that I had to do, I literally forgot to put it back in the little bag on top of my armoire. So she came home. That was when she was younger. That was last year. Yeah. Before her birthday, yeah, she was eight. She came home. She normally comes home change like she and her and Abigail are like the two and Edwin as well. But you know, Edwin is still a boy. Yeah. But her and Abigail are the two disciplined. Like Abigail Dizard, but she has this sense of responsibility in her. She's desert. She's a kid. She is a kid. She wants to be a mom, right? Mm. But she has a sense of responsibility. <laughs> so when they come from school, the first thing they do, and these kids don't like to be hit. They don't like to be reprimanded. You're about to them too. And Eddie too. You talk to them, they start crying. So they make sure they don't do nothing for you to have nothing to say to them. They're not so on. So she walks to the bathroom to take off her clothes and, Mommy, what's orgasm? I said, what? I said, who said that to you? Who said that in the school? And she's walking out with her towel. No, Mommy, this. It says climax, orgasm. I said, what is Girl, I, I snatched that thing so <laughs> I'm like, what, what is this? I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> and I went to the bathroom and got the vibrator. I'm like, she probably go press the thing and start shaking in her head. It was not a dildo. It was not a dildo. Thank God. I don't use those things. But it was a toy. It was a vibrator. So I was just like, you know what, Eunice? You need to get rid of that. This little eight-year-old right here, she reads everything she's supposed to read. This is the one girl that literally Googled the thing from Mary Poppins. Oh, yeah. Remember Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious? Mm-hmm. Yeah, she Googled that and practiced it to spell it. She spelled it. She broke it down into like three words. And she spelled each word. She practiced one I for one day. I she went She didn't. And she wrote it down every day. She wrote down I remember I super said it powerful. And then she was like, "What? What?" I was like, "She couldn't spell it." So <laughs> she put the little microphone thing on Google, and she said, "Super Califragilisticexpialidocious." And I'm like, "Kendra, what are you doing, and then she mommy? I need to know 
how to spell this word. It is the biggest word in the dictionary. I said, in whole dictionary? Mm-hmm. What dictionary? It's a made up word. And she's like, what? You had a white head. I didn't even realize that. <laughs> so she did that. And when she gave me that big hug, Mitchell, mm. I'm like, I did something. And all of them hugged me. And even Eddie got teary eyed. And I was just like, wow. His eyes were watery. And all of them were like, thank you, mommy. Thank you, mommy. And I felt like that's what I needed <laughs> from my mom. I needed that trust, that relationship. And I can honestly say, my kids. Edwin, now that he's a boy, I don't understand. The boy tell me he don't want relationship to tell me everything. He feel comfortable to talk to a guy. I don't understand. The other day, I see him hand in the pants. <laughs> and then he started laughing. And then he telling me now when he see certain females, he smiles a lot. He can't stop smiling and he doesn't know why. That puberty is kicking in at 12 years old. And Jesus Christ, I can't deal. But yes. So for me, I felt like that's what I needed from my mom. I needed that reassurance. I needed that protection. And that's why I had so much resentment towards her. And I favored my father more. And I loved my father. And I made excuses for why my father did certain things and why he acted certain ways. In my head, I pictured my dad as my hero. And, you know, he was that person for me. And, you know, I love my dad. I'm a daddy's girl. Yes, my daddy, my daddy. And I would throw it in her face. And it hurt her so much to know that she's working two jobs. She would not come home at night just to make sure we had a roof over our head, to make sure we had food, to do this, to do that. And still, it wasn't enough. If you think about it, though, imagine, because she was crying at that moment, like my automatically what I do when I hear something like that happen is mm-hmm. like a BS. Like it's fake. You feelings. did. You rolled, you rolled like, your eyes. It. Automatically, and I felt that way too. But then, if you look back and think about, she was crying. She felt hurt. She felt like she let you down. Imagine her having to face that each and every single time she saw you. So I can imagine why you said you were raised by your grandmother for most of your life. Yeah, I met my mom when I was about five, six years old. Right? Mm -hmm. No, actually, no. You just said you met her when you were five or six. That was before. Yeah, I met my mom when I was five or six. But my mom never had time when we lived here. Remember, she worked two to three jobs all the time to care for us. And my dad was really the one home all the time. But still, and then when she finally had to deal with us, like deal with us, because my grandma and then Erna and Elizabeth, my two sisters were in pension. And the baby was with them here because she was born here. We were born in Haiti. And when she came to get us again, we were with my father most of the time. And when she left my dad and they got their divorce and whatever happened between them happened, we were immediately taken back to Haiti and she moved to Haiti with us. And at that time, the twins went to their, like the same, I don't want to say foster because they did have their parents and you went, but they went to that house. And then the little one, I think she was often with us, but for some reason I can't remember, but she was in the house, but I was always with my grandma. I was always there. Always with my grandma. And I think that's another thing, too. That's why I'm so big on not splitting up the kids. Even when I used to send, like, one to California to spend summer, like, that summer, and then I spent the two to Haiti, I felt like when they came back together, Eddie stayed with me, Kicken went to Cali, and the two girls went to Haiti for summer. And that summer, everybody would split up. When everybody came back together, I didn't like the vibe. I didn't like the so relationship. What vibe was it? 
Like they were, they were not connected. They were not one because they spent three completely different summers without each other. They had three realities, and then they had to come back to each other. And this is strange. I didn't have to deal with that. I was the only kid in this house. But in this house, you know, like it was so much. And when they were telling their stories and stuff, I was like, yeah, that's never happening. My kids will never like spend when they're older, they're like in their late teens or in their teens, whatever. And they want to go. That's fine. Like if she's going to soccer camp, that's whatever. That's fine. But to say at this age where they're not, they're not matured enough, develop that strong bond. I don't want that. I literally told them they want to go to Haiti, but of course, Edwin wants to go to Haiti a lot. Kendra wants to go. Mm. Abigail does not want to go to Haiti. Destiny wants to go, but they're very adamant that I have to be there the entire time. They have to be with me, and I'm not leaving them in Haiti to spend summer. When I come back, they come back. So <laughs> I promise them that if when we do go back to like vacationing on summers during the summer, we're all doing it together. I'm not going to just, oh, I'm sending them to your house for the summer. No, no, we're going together. Until they're old enough to say, hey, I have a house in Haiti. I have help, that hired help. And you guys can go there. I'll be at peace. My mind will be at peace. There's cameras. There's this. There's a driver. Other than I that, honestly no. don't feel as though children, they should be spending time, spending nights at friends' houses or spending certain amounts of time at other people's houses because even if it's somebody that like you trust you don't really know how can you trust people really with your in your mind you trust them but you don't really know them and i feel as though like you don't you know like pastors molest people (laughs) (laughs) i'm saying pastors that's that's supposed to be like mothers molest their children Mm-hmm. Fathers molest their children. Brothers, sisters, Brothers, sisters cousins, cousins, grandparents. You name it. It's Listen. Done. So imagine a friend. I only name two of my molesters. Girl, please. <laughs> Girl, please. I don't trust nobody with my kids. I don't even trust their dad's father. I don't trust him with my kids. And I remember indirectly letting him know that I don't trust him with my kids. And I remember directly letting my ex-husband know I don't trust your dad with my kids because of X, Y, Z. And if he ever tries X, Y, Z, I'm going to X, Y, dead him. Oh, damn. And that's why he never stayed at my house. I remember hearing about that. Hmm. Nice. I'm glad it traveled because I needed to be very clear. And I remember he never stayed at my house. You see how the mom would stay and he would come see the mom and not spend the night and leave? Yes, because it was very clear. Negro, if you get tempted, you look different. I just think you did something you did. Excuse me for using the term Negro, but man, whatever, that's not going to happen. Not under my watch. And I think that me making that very clear and also having that conversation with my ex-husband where I told him, this is why I feel this way. This is what happened to me. This is what didn't. This is what was supposed to happen that did not happen. And I am determined to not let history repeat itself with my kids because I paid the price for that not to happen. And I remember experiencing something with his family already with whatever. And that was not good. So I made it clear. And I remember him. I trust him with his kids. Like, honestly, I trust him. He, thank God it did not travel down generations, Jesus. 
He's not like that. I'm happy I can trust him with the kids. I think, in conclusion, girl, I'm not where I want to be, but I'm doing good. I'm I'm okay. I'm okay. And I feel like, as a mother, I'm doing okay. I mean, I'm not perfect. I'm not great, but I'm okay. I know that I used to be a damn good wife, too good wife. I don't know if I'll ever be able to be that again, but I used to be a too good wife. I'm a great mother to my kids. I'm an awesome friend. I can be a terrific sister if I'm given the opportunity to be that. I'm doing fine. Um. (laughs) I guess we're going to end it on that note. Yeah, it hasn't been easy, but it's been worth it. I used to think, why me? And now I say, why not me? Why not me? Why anybody else? God gives his toughest battles to his strongest soldiers. And arm made of steel, hello? Hello? I like the fact that even though I go through all the things that I go through, I can still put on a smile for someone else and let them have their moment, their day, and be present. And appreciate that and appreciate people, be there for people, be happy for people and genuinely be happy. Because some people will play happy for you, but they're not genuinely happy mm-hmm. for you. Sometimes I'll be like, Eunice is happier than I am about this news. And that's because it's coming from the heart. That's who I am. I'm not faking it. There's no faking in that. I'm not painting someone. I'm not. It's naturally in me. And I pray that I transmit that. I transmit that to my friends, my family. Like, I am genuinely happy for you. I'm glad when my friends are doing good. So on that note, thank you so much, Mitchell, for having this conversation with me. It is now 1.08 a.m. Oh, me too. I got to leave this office. By the way, this conversation is so organic. It was recorded inside of Tara's Palace. We're about to go home now. Amen. And go to sleep. Thank you guys so much for making it this far. That means you have listened to, this is two hours. It's what well, we total recording time is two hours. It is it was four. It will be four segments. segments. <laughs> so four segments. That's one month of content. That's a four weeks, one month of content. I am so happy. And I just hope that we did. That's like me. Remember we we're talking about how to do the recap. This is my recap, guys, of of last year up until this year. So you guys are caught up before that, too. So one thing, let's let me just do this big conclusion. One, last year I was homeless. This year I'm not. Thank God. Oh, my car. I decided to have them repo my car. Like I literally called and did a self did a voluntary repossession because I felt like the bill was high. And when I called to try to pay it off, they tried to tell me I still owed 10000 when I had already paid 7000 It was impossible for me to pay $17,000 for a 2014 used car. I had that repo. So we didn't talk about that. I caught the bus with the baby, got rained on with a four-month-old baby. I was rained on, dried by the AC inside of the bus, catching the bus with her to go to work, all of that. Now... I do have a car. I do have a place to stay with my children. I am still working the same place I was working at. And Tara's Palace has her own address, location, keys. I have an office space that I rented where I do makeup. The online store, the last time it was up was in 2016. Mm -hmm. So it's finally back up now, four years later. 
it's not Beauty by BB anymore. It's Tara's Palace. Dot com. Named after the baby, actually. Hannah, her middle name. So it's named after her. And yeah, that's all. So thank you guys so much. And I know it's been about a year since I recorded my last podcast. It's been in the making. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I hope you guys enjoyed this. I hope you've been encouraged by these segments and that you are empowered and you continue to live a life of purpose. You don't give up. You keep pushing. You never know when your deliverance is coming. So don't give up. And I want to leave you with this. There's a Haitian saying that says, Buki, so Buki and Malis are like these characters that they use to tell you tales and stuff. So the fool and the whatever, not whatever, but you get what I'm saying. So like pinky and the brain kind of thing. So basically Buki, which was the dumb one, the fool, he was in jail for 101 days. He made it to 100 days and killed himself when he only had one day left to be released. So I say that to say, you never know where your blessing is coming from or when it's coming or where your deliverance comes from. So have integrity, work hard, do what you're supposed to do and add a little sprinkle in there. Go that extra mile. And I promise you, it will eventually pay off. Don't give up. And until next time, my name is Eunice. I was joined by Marie. Lord. <laughs> she has Flareology. Please check her out on all social media platforms. And as for me, you can find me. Tara's Palace is my business, but I also have the organization Nucifum. And I have my personal page, Eunice Pierre underscore on Instagram. So thank you so much. My name is Eunice. And this is my journey. Oh my God. Thank you guys so much for listening to all of the episodes. Um, One month of content, four episodes. Thank you guys so much. This would have not been possible if you guys didn't listen to it. Like I would get discouraged. I probably wouldn't post all of them. Um, I thank you guys for listening to this episode specifically because I think in this episode, I literally am sharing the core um, of my story and some of the things that I think I've people that are close to me know, but not everybody knows. And some of the things that I'm embarrassed or um, I feel kind of ashamed of. So thank you guys. If you have just listened to this, know that you know some of the most um, <laughs> private things about me, but that I'm willing to share to encourage someone else to not give up on themselves and to understand that everything that we go through is part of our journey, but not our destination. Um, a lot of things have changed, but you'll find those things out as we go along, um, with this podcast for now. One thing I can say is I no longer am doing makeup anymore. Um, it is still a hobby of mine, but I'm not doing it anymore as a profession. So a lot of things have changed, but um, I'll keep you guys updated with those changes. But thank you so much for listening to this episode. And I hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed recording it. Thank you for listening to Blue Rose Concrete. I truly believe that a woman's journey is one where she blooms where she is planted. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoyed recording it. 
Until next time, don't become your own obstacle by limiting yourself to the environment you're in. You can follow me on Instagram, Eunice Inspires, for daily inspiration and use hashtag Blue Rose Concrete to share your thoughts on this episode. As always, I love you and I'm cheering you on.